Welcome to the Healthy Insider Podcast, where we help supplement and functional food brands create better products. Today's host is Todd Runstead, Senior Editor. Well, hello there. Welcome again to another edition of the Healthy Insider Podcast, or the Toddcast, as I like to say. Today, I'm here with Morris Beagle, and uh, he is a man who is all about hemp. He is the president of WAFPA. Say it with me, people. WAFPA. We are for better alternatives. Ah, oh, I love that. Morris, you're kind of the embodiment of the hemp economy. Uh, you're an entrepreneur that started the biggest trade show shows in the business, the NOCO Hemp Expo, the Southern Hemp Expo. I, I think there's others. I, I think you held one in Kathmandu. You're a podcast host. In 2012, you co-founded the Colorado Hemp Company, which promotes and educates around hemp. And I think you even sell hemp products. Is that true? And what else do you do? Um, well, yeah, sure. Uh, thanks for having me on, Todd. It's always sure. great to talk to you. And, uh, yeah, I'm involved in event production, merchandise production and sales. We have a media platform at letstalkhemp.com and a variety of entities that all really kind of work synergistically together under the WAFPA family of brands umbrella. The WAFPA family of brands umbrella. I love it. So, <clears throat> Not to get too far into the weeds here, but didn't you start off as a rock and roll promoter? And yeah, mean, weren't, so, you, weren't you just out in Oklahoma seeing the old homestead and reminiscing about cranking Ozzy and Sabbath back in the day as a little snot-nosed four-year-old kid? Didn't that make you the kind of guy you are today? Absolutely. Going back to Oklahoma and seeing where I grew up on or visited my grandparents on this farm out in the middle of no man's land, literally, where the Dust Bowl took place. Uh, yeah, I was first turned on to rock and roll at the age of four. And my first memories of music are listening to Black Sabbath in my grandma's attic, which now that house has collapsed and it is no more. And we laid our parents to rest for their, the the final time my dad passed and and in 1998 and my mom passed in may during covid and she didn't die of covid which was good but uh, we went out there with the brothers and we just kind of laid to rest our our folks who are great parents and it's really an end of an era and now here we go we're going to come out of covid and and move into this next realm but you mentioned kind of the rock and roll promoter side of things and yes i was in the music industry from the late 80s until about 2010, and then I started to uh, move into the hemp industry, and, and now I would say I'm a promoter of the plant and a promoter of the plum planet, a promoter of the hemp industry, uh, kind of like Bill Graham was a music promoter, an up-and-coming artist promoter, a music industry promoter, and I think of it more in that way, and my partners and I have built a platform and a vehicle for the industry to come together, mobilize, organize, get educated, and to do commerce. So do you have little, uh, you know, baskets of apples like Bill Graham would put out at the Fillmore? I mean, come on, get on it. Yeah, well, we've got stuff that we do at NOCO. We have little baskets of stuff. All right. Stuff. <laughs> so 
you know, before we leave this this sort of rock and roll thing, are are hempy people compared to like you know insurance salesmen or veterinarians just plain cooler? Isn't coolness part of the appeal of hemp? Well, I think that anybody can be a hempster if you buy hemp products, create hemp products, sell or promote hemp products. But on a whole, as it stands today and over the last five or six years, as the industry has grown and developed, there have been a good amount of coolness associated with hemp. Hopefully it stays that way and it doesn't become a bunch of hedge funders whose only purpose in life is really to make money, because that's not what I'm all about and that's not what WAFA is about. Yeah, but, you know, it seems like in today, in the mid-2020 that we're in right now, if you're in the hemp biz, in particular if you're in the hemp CBD biz, boy, you, it, it's time to go pro. Meaning if, if you, you, it would be wise to have someone who is a veteran of the larger dietary supplements industry helping you out with your brand because, because you know, CBD is actually a dietary supplement. And, it, you know, it seems like when, hemp, when, when CBD oil first started coming on, there was like the hemp side of the business, you, you know, maybe coming from the the greater cannabis side of the business and those people didn't actually realize that they were a supplement and they didn't realize that there were rules and regulations around what it means to build a supplement brand and so so at at this point where it's like you know the investor dollars are drying up and 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 companies are dropping because there's just so much so you know an estimated 4000 CBD brands out on the market like whoa um you know maybe it is time to go pro in some degree but so how important is it to go pro while also keeping true to your cool roots if you will well that's a very good point and i do agree that going pro that your odds of survival are are going to be much greater because there are only going to be x amount of real major brands that are out there that are going to be viable. But I also still fall back on this kind of microbrewery and winery model that if you look at the the brewery industry and you really have 70 or 80% of the industry that's dominated by the handful of major brewers when you're talking about complete overall production and revenue in the industry, and yet you still have 20 or 30% of this large industry that encompasses thousands of microbreweries and small batch producers around the world that can find a way to make a living. And that's not easy either. You still have to be smart and savvy and, and figure out how to create your niche. Um, but I think that both can coexist. So I'm going to continue to fall back on this craft brewery model and the opportunity for small producers and mom and pops and boutique companies to still be able to to have a successful business. And maybe it's tougher today during COVID as all industries are facing challenges and small businesses are going out left and right. Um, one thing I'll point out, and it just came out last week, and maybe you've heard this, that the Colorado Restaurant Association did a survey and 
62% of all restaurants in Colorado are considering shutting their doors within the next six months. <laughs> That's that, crazy. Right. God, I was just, you know, so yeah, but you know, the, the pro thing, yeah, it, it's tough. This industry is going to be tough to make it if you're just there trying to be a supplement company and you really have no, um, real in-depth knowledge about the supplement industry. When you look at the history of the supplement industry, where you come from, where new hope is, and you've got these players, it's just another ingredient. That's the thing about hemp. And I'm sure we'll get into talking about that more during this conversation. Hemp is an ingredient with the CBD, whether that's protein powder from the seeds, whether that's ingredients from the stocks with, for paints or building materials or whatever else, hemp pr- produces ingredients. Yeah, well, so let's talk about that. You know, hemp is more than just CBD, although certainly that's the the leading edge, certainly here in the states. To me, the most obvious are hemp clothes and inside door panels for cars. I think there was a European Union mandate to use sustainable materials that really kind of jump started that. There's hemp seeds and hemp seed oil for positive nutrition. Um, you know, I know there's a saying how hemp has 25,000 uses. Really, though, I'm thinking it's probably closer to just 100. But so what do you think are the most viable handful? So as far as the most viable, I would default to superfoods, protein powder, um, dietary supplements. I think that those are all viable. I think building materials, composites, plastics, and textiles like you said. Mm-hmm. Um, but my take on this 25,000 or 50,000 uses quotes that we've seen out there for a long time that um, hemp and cannabis is an incredibly diverse plant that can be made into a multitude of ingredients, which in turn can go into literally thousands of different products or applications. For example, if you make a healthy, tasteless hemp protein powder that then can go into superfood bars or smoothies or cereals or tortillas or chips or dairy-free milks and yogurts, et cetera. Is that just one product or is that a hundred when it's all said and done from the various products that that ingredient can go into? So that, how are we doing our math with this? And the same thing is true and even more so from an industrial side when it comes to industrial ingredient replacement in paper, packaging, plastics, composites, various building materials, paints, varnishes, energy storage storage devices. We have all heard that anything that is made with petroleum can be made from hemp, which is thousands of products. Whether that statement is true or not, it hasn't been proven or fully actualized. I like to say that hemp has the potential to replace many products that utilize petroleum or corn or soy or cotton or timber. And if you look across the spectrum at what all those commodities produce, hemp can theoretically compete with a more environmentally friendly ingredient than those other options. Hemp to me is a better alternative. And as you know, we are for better alternatives. (laughs) Well, and didn't you have made a, a hemp electric guitar? Yes. I've got uh, I've got several hemp guitars. I've got hemp guitar cabinets. I've got hemp guitar amplifiers now. I've got a hemp ukulele. We've got hemp guitar picks, hemp guitar straps. And we're going to have hemp cajon hand drums. Uh, we're looking at drumsticks. 
So you can guess- literally, you can you can make hemp into hemp can go into most consumer based products that are out there. But in some regard, can you make that hemp guitar sound like the killer Tony Iommi riff in Supernaut on Black Sabbath Volume Four? Or is that yes? Just a and I will. Thing? No, well, it, it is Tony's fingers for one thing, because Tony is Tony. But I am going to take you up on that challenge. And by the end of the year, when we do a being with all the different Marshall and Fender stuff against the hemp stuff, we will do Supernaut as a as a sample, and we'll oh we'll God. we'll a b in it with Laney amplifiers and Marshall cabinets and the hemp cabinets and the hemp amplifiers and the hemp guitars and a SG. <laughs> My God. All right. So for all you people who out there in podcast land who don't know, just go right now and find Supernaut by Sabbath. And the not only will you get goosebumps, but I'm pretty sure they will just burst like zits on a 13 year old i mean oh my god one of the greatest sabbath songs of all time for sure (laughs) so that's just a little aside you know let's get back to is it true that the entire hemp plant can be produced products and is that what's needed to build a truly viable hemp industry like multi-purpose plants that can be grown for seed for oil for fiber or for green like you know at least two uses and not just like right now most of the hemp grown in the u.s is grown it, it, it's grown for two things either for cbd oil or it's grown for insulation in the barn because it's being stored there because they overproduced in 2019 but multi-purpose plants is that is that the way forward to refine yeah. promise of hemp yes for sure whole plant utilization and still today most of the stem stick stocks from hemp and cannabis is not being used. It's a waste product. And that material, like we've already talked about before, can be converted into paper, composites, textiles, building materials, animal bedding, kitty litter, and so on. And we have to build out that processing infrastructure. It's lagging big big time here in the United States. And I am hopeful over the next three to five to 10 years that this infrastructure will build out. And it will be instrumental to the future of our society with hemp coming on board to lead the way and steward a better path forward for agriculture. Because otherwise, our agricultural system is going to collapse on a scale probably 100 times what it was in the 1930s during the Dust Bowl in the Oklahoma Panhandle and Texas Panhandle. I mean, the devastation ecologically was significant. And if we don't make a, a pivot, to better farming practices, organic and regenerative, and that is utilizing hemp and leading the way with this dual-purpose, tri-purpose crop for stocks, flour, and grain. Um, I see we're just going to – we're going to be as a society if we don't make a pivot away from our agricultural practices. And are, hemp, are, is the hope to, to, hemp is the hope to, to change the path. Yeah, I love that. So in order to build out this infrastructure, are are those the major categories, like grain, fiber for biomaterials, cannabinoids? Like, Are, are those kind of the three sort of prongs that you look at? And, and are there different infrastructure that needs to be developed for each one? Like, like it's a different processing equipment needed for oil versus for fiber versus for grain for feed? 
Yeah, so that's fiber flowering grain. Fiber has okay. got that, that processing um, technology is is different, and there's a variety of new things coming out that are from a uh, biorefining technology, countercurrent reactors that Pure Hemp Technology has. Uh, Nine Fiber has this enzymatic decortication process that takes a 16-day decortication and redding process down to 90 minutes, and it's eco-friendly. It's light chemicals that are not very impactful on the environment. Um, And then you've got the grain side, which is taking and dehulling the hemp seeds. So you've got hemp hearts, and then you've got the the leftover shells that can be ground into meal and protein powder. Um, And then you could crush the seeds into hemp oil. And then you've got the extraction process with the flour, and there's a variety of different extraction processes out there from ethanol and CO2 and waterless and this and that. And there's all kinds of new extraction technologies coming out. Yeah, so, so you'd really do three different ways to, that are going to be processing the plant from the, the flower side of it with the cannabinoids and all the extracts and then the grain side of it and then the fiber side of it. And it seems like the, the extraction for cannabinoids is kind of well-established. I mean, I don't know, maybe there just needs to be a couple of large ones, you know, like if it's, if it's going to go actual big time, you know, that there's just tons of, you know, small extractors, guys in their garage doing interesting things. Um, but is, but is that, is that the most built out at this point in the States versus like, like when I think of, say Canada who's had a a trade association for decades now but you know Canada was working on I think grains first and so I would think that 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 processing infrastructure is pretty well established there and can is that what's needed down here like is that is that like a nice export opportunity for Canada like hey you guys got to do something that just makes CBD Let's build an extraction unit, or just you know import, ex, you know, send your send your bio, uh, you know your your biomass up to Canada so that they can process it. Well, from an economic standpoint, you really got to have processing within fifty to hundred mile radius of wherever the processing is to make it viable from a commodity standpoint. And yes, Canada has been really a primarily a grain processor for the last 20 years. They do have some fiber processing going on there. Uh, They do have extraction that's going on there now, but they're well behind the United States. That's where we've really focused on is building out the extraction processing. And we're pretty good here in Colorado. You're good in Oregon. You're good in Kentucky. Uh, the the marijuana industry obviously is using the same technologies for extraction. There's a lot of extraction out there in the marketplace. Yeah. Uh, maybe not enough to satisfy the amount of biomass that's out there for the CBD right. side of things at this point. Um, but I think that there's more material than the market can and the consumers are demanding at this point. And we're just going to see a market adjustment over the next couple of years on that. And some people aren't going to be in the game anymore next year or two years from now. And and we're going to see more people building out the grain processing. And there is a couple of grain processors here in Colorado. And there is one in Montana. There is one in Minnesota. There is one in Kentucky. 
and the fiber processing is a little bit slower and, and you're going to see those things starting to pop up and they're going to be smaller units and then you're going to see a couple of big people coming on board such as Pi, uh, Panda Biotech in Texas who seems to have quite a bit of money and quite a bit of aspiration to be a, a real big fiber processor and we'll see what happens. We've seen a lot of People come into the market and throwing around a lot of money and saying they're going to dominate, and then two or three years later, it's like they're bankrupt. Yeah, right. Well, and but is that? I mean, not to not to turn capitalism on its head, but is it going to take uh, you know some early investors losing a bunch of money in order to drive down the price in order to make say fiber for biomaterials competitive with petroleum-based products? You know, which, you know, oil is so subsidized and it's so cheap now and it's so institutionalized that that, that's a tough nut to crack. It is, for sure. And I think that really the only way we're going to get there is if we get the government to subsidize this industry like they've subsidized the timber industry and the fossil fuel industry. And, And can we get them? to flip that so it's they're subsidizing things that actually have a positive environmental impact rather than a negative environmental impact and there is a lot of pressure on the government to start making these changes i mean climate change is real we all know it's real even if the republican side wants to sit there and still spout the same nonsense that they have for 20 or 25 years the Pentagon knows it. The military knows it. The UN knows it. Everybody knows it. Our whole entire scientific community knows that man is impacting climate change. It's not just God. It's just not just the natural forces of the universe. Man is having a dramatic impact on our climate and on our ecosystems. And until we realize that and we start addressing it through subsidies and doing things differently, we're going to be yeah that is a really great point you know i mean that working for new hope in the natural products and you know natural and organic business for years people have complained about why are we subsidizing cheap carbohydrates to make americans fat you know like sure that made sense post-world war ii when people were coming back and you know we needed to you know fatten up the GIs and give them a GI bill to, you know, get them nicely educated. And, but now 50 years on, it's like, okay, we're good with, with the cheap calories. You know, now we have a population that is over fed and under nutritioned, you know, and, and so we need to, how about we subsidize fruits and vegetables instead of these grains? And so, Hey, how about we subsidize, you know, hemp, over oil boy you know since we haven't really been able to do much on it with fruits and vegetables good luck hemp you know but you know but again i i think i think there's an impetus with climate change and with this whole cbd movement if we can get the fda and usda to help create a larger hemp industry and not just sort of stand in the way and you know support the status quo um, I mean, I guess how daunting is it to try to disrupt the petroleum and plastic industries? You know, they're only the most richest, most prolific industries on the planet. Um, you know, yeah, for sure. I mean, it is daunting, but it has to be done. 
I believe bioplastics account for less than 1% of all plastics on Earth, just like organic farmland accounts for less than 1% of all farmland on Earth. We have to push the needle to increase these percentages because if we don't, humanity as we know it will cease to exist in 50 or 100 or 200 years, whatever that timeline is, we are going to go towards extinction if we do not make these necessary changes. Um, we need a revolution. We need an arm, army of leaders that want to save our species. And like I said before, you know, it's a long way to the top. And I'm not going to stop until I'm dead. And, you know, it's a long way to the top if you want to rock and roll. Uh, it is. Last, last question, Morris. This, this COVID situation is having us rethink so many things about life. How can we reinvent the world starting in 2021 with hemp, if not 2020? So Winona LaDuke, who is a Native American hemp farmer, thought leader, political activist, was recently on a, our summer solstice virtual event and basically said this, that pandemics are portals that allow us to reflect on the world around us, to see the broken systems of the past, and that all that is not working. And it's a time to shift our consciousness in a manner that can create profound change. So I'm kind of taking that and doing my part to align with this great awakening that I believe is happening now. And that when this COVID subsides and we come out of the fog, we will begin to rebuild communities, industries, and our relationships in a way that will be more in balance with the natural systems in which we all exist. That is my hope. And I think that hemp is going to be a vehicle for this incredible change that we're all going to be part of. That is so great. It, it's so great that it makes me, yeah. Can we hear this now? Just a couple notes there. there. We go. Oh, I love it. <laughs> Tony. The Great Awakening, friends. Um, we're here with Morris Beagle, president of WAFPA. We are for Better Alternatives, a great umbrella, umbrella group uh, promoting all things hemp. Morris, thanks for joining us again today on the Healthy Insider Podcast. Uh, parting thoughts? Uh, well, thank you, Todd, and thanks to New Hope and everybody that's come before this movement who've helped build awareness of the importance of healthy food systems and a healthy planet. And, you know, since we've started, we've, we've always looked at you guys as kind of a big brother, and you guys have inspired us to do what we're doing. And, you know, we all have to work together for a, a healthy planet and a healthy society. So thanks to everything that you guys do over there. Appreciate it. All right. Nice parting thoughts. Morris, thanks for joining us. We'll see you again. Thank you for listening to a Healthy Insider Podcast. We are continually looking to improve your podcast experience and want to hear from you, the industry listener. Please take a moment to take our quick survey and provide your feedback at naturalproductsinsider.com slash podcast survey.